I would not wish this on my worst enemy. The pain would be just excruciating. People just think that a migraine is a really bad headache and it's, it, there's so much more to it than that. It's really nice to be able to say, is anybody else dealing with this today? My name is Dr. Larry Newman, and this is season one, episode six of Move Against Migraine. Today's topic is migraine advocacy and funding for migraine research. A crucial element of the American Migraine Foundation and for the entire migraine community is advocacy. This means getting your voice heard and educating others on this invisible disease. We even take part in an annual trip to Congress to meet with lawmakers and advocate for bills. Our first guest will be Dr. Robert Shapiro from the University of Vermont. He takes part in the annual Headache on the Hill and is very steeped in advocacy causes. Bob, what is the biggest misconception you've seen about migraine during your career? So it's a complicated question about why people with migraine are the subject to uh, such a large degree of stigma. Stigma being a feeling of disqualification or something less than uh, social acceptance. And it could have its roots in lots of different areas. You know, it originally was formulated in the 19th century, for instance, by Freud as a psychiatric condition, as uh, something that's not related necessarily to uh, a dysfunction of the brain, but rather a misbehavior. And I think during the early half of the 20th century, that was a comfortable position for doctors who were typically men and patients who were typically women to take about a condition which didn't have any physical signs or symptoms or physical evidence or manifestations and for which there really weren't a lot of medications or therapies which seemed to be helpful. So it was easy to frame this as if it was a psychiatric condition. And it was only in the latter half of the 20th century that we began to understand much more about the actual mechanisms in the brain and the nervous system and impacts on the rest of the body which uh, migraine clearly is, uh, is as manifest as. But in the meantime, uh, the perception of migraine has uh, been enveloped by a sense that it's uh, immediately and uh, inevitably and inextricably tied to headache. We talk about migraine headache. And headache itself is a word that actually has a couple of different meanings. There are two different uh, definitions for migraine. One is head pain related to migraine or other types of physical problems in the brain. And the other actually is annoyance. And in terms of the weighting in common usage or in the media currently, it's about uh, twice as likely to be used as uh, a metaphor of devaluation or annoyance than it is actually as a physical problem. So migraine itself ends up being tied to this sense that this is not something that's serious, not something that uh, is really worthy of, uh, of concern and that people who have it, uh, maybe it's really a character flaw of inability to cope with what everybody else experiences when they talk about headache as a mild, self-limited condition, which over-the-counter medications take care of. So what additional work can be done by headache specialists and other headache professionals to break down the stigma surrounding migraine and to advocate for their patients? So if there, there are a couple things that we can do as headache professionals in alignment with and uh, along with patients, but uh, what we've been working on, what we've been trying to uh, make change and affect change for the last decade or so, uh, is to try to identify where those attitudes, those stigmatizing attitudes towards people with migraine 
have wound their way into public policy. So uh, we call this, the term for this is called structural stigma, where there are disadvantages or discriminatory practices on the part of public agencies or corporations or uh, areas where <clears throat> it's clear that people are disadvantaged for having this condition relative to somebody else who has a different type of a disabling condition. And we find structural stigma all, all over the place. So the NIH uh, in 2015 funded $20 million worth of research related to migraine. And if you look at how the World Health Organization through the Global Burden of Disease Study measures the burden of individual diseases, there's a particular uh, measurement tool they use. Uh, migraine actually has as much uh, uh, burden as a number of other major diseases most people don't think of in the same category, such as breast cancer or arthritis or digestive diseases. And for example, digestive diseases uh, in 2015 re received over $1.6 billion in NIH funding. So how can patients advocate for themselves? So the problem for patients, I think, is clear, but probably the hardest, which is that they need to own the fact that this is a condition which they have. And since a part of it is genetically predisposed, you inherit some susceptibility to this, part of it's due to other factors, environmental factors or the like, this is something which people with migraine will always have some susceptibility to have. And it doesn't mean it's not treatable, it doesn't mean that there aren't things that can be done to reduce the likelihood it shows itself, but it doesn't actually help people with migraine to remain hidden. It helps to promote the idea that this is a con condition which uh, few people have and the people who have it are unreliable, which they aren't. But if people consistently uh, uh, don't disclose the fact that at times they may have difficulty with tasks because of it, then employers interpret their change in work uh, habits as being that they're not as reliable employees because of that's who they are rather than that's part of their condition. So it's the hardest thing for patients to actually uh, identify themselves as having this, this problem. Uh, but it's probably the most important and necessary piece to actually move beyond the stigma. The investigations, the studies that have looked at what is the most uh, helpful or successful strategies to mitigate stigma for say HIV or mental health conditions uh, indicate that among the most powerful ways to mitigate this is having contact strategies. That is people who have the condition which is being stigmatized, having contact with the people people who carry the stigmatizing attitudes to undo that, to, to uh, reduce the myths and reduce the, the idea that uh, there's something different about these people that makes them lesser, makes them devalued. And so this is a very hard thing to, uh, to advocate for patients to do because it might come with uh, apparent penalties, okay? They may have to confront their employer and um, this is asking people to take risks. And what we're hopeful is that if we're successful in reducing or mitigating some of the structural stigma issues, bringing these forward in a public way, for, in public policy uh, ways, that, that may provide additional space for people who have migraine to say, yes, this is, this is a problem for me too. And I need uh, to have that be recognized so that it's not something that I'm carrying silently. Thank you, Dr. Shapiro. 
We now have Nim Lalvani, director of the American Migraine Foundation, to discuss her journey as a migraine advocate and what tools she acquired during the process. Since joining the American Migraine Foundation as a director, I really learned a lot from this community and the resilience of what advocacy can do for them and to lessen the burden of the disease from a stigma perspective and also the impact of the disease as a disabling disease. Um, advocacy really serves as that tool to empower somebody, to give them the resources they need to speak about what they're feeling or to even advocate within their own work environment or for their children in their schools. The American Migraine Foundation recognizes that advocacy takes on many different shapes, sizes, and forms, and it's not a one-size-fit-all for, for each individual living with migraine. In fact, in recognition of that, we develop tools and resources that can be tailored for the individual for what's comfortable for them. For example, if someone wants to share their story, you can visit the American Migraine Foundation's website and share your story where people like just like you can read and feel empowered by what you're feeling. But if that's not something that's comfortable for you, we also have downloadable guides that can walk you through empowerment and advocating for yourself and others around you. But if you're someone who wants to rally your social circle and support network around donating and advocating for research around migraine disease, AMF makes that really simple for you. You can go onto our Facebook community and do a, a Facebook fundraiser for your birthday. It's as simple as selecting the American Migraine Foundation and writing a few statements of why this is important to you and allowing your friend circle and social support network to contribute to AMF and its important mission. You can also drive your support network to the American Migraine Foundation's website, where you can easily select an easy amount to donate to the American Migraine Foundation or ask them to make it a recurring donation so it's something they contribute to on an annual and monthly basis. Moving forward, the American Migraine Foundation is also going to make it very easy and simple for patients and the public to do fundraisers and grassroots fundraisers through their website. So if you're an individual who wants to start a lemonade stand in your neighborhood and sell lemonade for American Migraine Foundation, that's an option for you coming soon. Thanks so much, Nim. That's it for us on this episode. Continue listening to our next episode where we will discuss preparing to meet with a headache specialist.